Welcome to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans with Kirsten Johansson. Kirsten and her guests are here to help you stop struggling with your own self-acceptance and teach you how to love yourself unconditionally. Now, here's Kirsten. Welcome to GTO Freedom for Humans, where we talk about the ways that we as humans can free ourselves from suffering by practicing unconditional love, acceptance, and compassion for ourselves. I'm Kirsten Johansson, your host, and I am excited to be back with you this week. I have a fun topic, I think. I think it's fun. Um, I wrote an article recently for a magazine that's called Brains with a Z on the end. It's a cool online magazine out of Sweden, and it's got a bunch of different categories of article. There's lifestyle articles and mindset and technology and sustainability. It has a an interesting kind of broad range of articles, but it really is about helping human beings. That is the the core mission of the magazine. And so they've been really fun to work with. And for my first article, I decided to write about basically the uncoupling of our value, our human value, our worth uh, from our appearance, from the way we look. And um, gosh, it's a, (laughs) it's a deep topic in a way because we are inundated. We are absolutely inundated with messages that to look a certain way, uh, depending upon your gender, your age, et cetera, there are certain standards and they're made up. Okay. So that's what I'm going to say right at the outset. These are made up like most things they're made up. And so it really is a matter of whether you believe them or not, whether when they come in, whether you think, oh, they're right. I do need to do something about those bags under my eyes. Or whether when that that same commercial, let's say it's that one, I'm, when I'm in the US with my mom, I we watch some network TV. And so I end up watching some commercials and I'm struck by not just all the pharmaceutical commercials, all the commercials for food that is not really food that harms people. And also there's a fair amount of cosmetic procedure and buy this eye cream kind of commercials. And so, you know, one of them is the folks with the, that have some bags under their eyes and this uh, miracle gel or cream or whatever that shrinks them right before your eyes and all that stuff. So, you know, the, the difference is when you see that commercial, it's whether you think, oh, maybe I need to do something about the bags under my eyes or whether you think, Ugh, come on. Like, let's let's talk about something that actually matters. Or maybe it just doesn't even, maybe there's a middle ground. I I'm I'm in the ugh, let's talk about something that really matters camp. And that's primarily because I spent so much of my life, my time, my energy, my spirit, my brain, my emotions, my my money on trying to change the way that I looked to meet the ever evolving beauty standards that are applied to us. And so, you know, I'm done, man. Ooh, I've, uh, you know, I've given as much as I'm willing to give. I'm flush. I'm flush. I'm going to say I'm flush for 10 lifetimes. And so for me, I just cannot, I can't do it. I can't put any more energy there. And then when I see it, 
I just feel bad. I feel bad for people because I know that the message that it's giving is you're, you're not okay as you are. If you, if you, oh, if you have some little droopy skin under your eyes, you're not okay as you are. Mm -hmm. But guess what? You are okay as you are. And so the first thing is sort of this general idea that there's truth in those messages and there really isn't. It's made up. And so we can choose to believe them and we can choose to, you know, spend our time and our energy, our money um, to a certain degree on making ourselves look a certain way. And ultimately that's okay. Um, if that's what you choose where I think it gets harmful is if you assign true value to it, like if it really feels important, that's where I think it can kind of siphon away our true spirit, the, the energy that we would spend doing what's really important. And so if you apply the, if today was my last day methodology, which I, I do that for myself when I need a little a reality check or to get myself out of maybe some um, self-defeating thinking or something like that. I have that going on a little bit right now because I'm exiting this relationship and I'm mm, four days or so from getting on plane and really having it be done. And it's not easy. It's not easy. It's crunchy. And so, um, you know, I, I have some thought patterns that aren't, aren't the most awesome for me, um, and that need to be disrupted. And when I do disrupt them, I'm using my current mantra actually is you can be happy if you want to. Because what I find is that the thoughts I'm having about what is going on in my situation are typically what is making me feel less than joyful. And sometimes I'm by myself. It's not even that I'm with my partner and there's some difficult interactions happening, which also is going on. But it's not even that. Sometimes I'm by myself, but my energy is still going there. It's going there because I we experience life with our minds primarily. And so when that's happening to me, I will stop and say, you know, you can be happy if you want to. And then I'll ask myself, what do you need right now? What do you need to do? What do you need to say to yourself? What do you need to do differently with your body or your mind? And the same is true when the inner critic, because this is the inner critic, the same is true when the inner critic is telling you something um, negative about your appearance or telling you that you need to fix something or change something in order to be okay. You can fix something or change something if you want to, but I can tell you as somebody who has fixed things and changed things for decades, it never actually had the effect that I thought it would. It wasn't until I fully accepted myself as I am that I became okay with my appearance, with the way I look. Changing the way that I looked to feel okay about myself did not work. So that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. I, since I've made that shift and it's been in the last several years, I've noticed some things that have happened that I do differently. Some of them are intentional and some of them have kind of happened naturally. And I find them to be quite helpful so that I can keep that separation there is the, there is the way that I look. We all have a body 
Um, when I'm, I'm including, when I say body, I'm including everything. I include face, face and hair and everything um, in body. We all have a body and they, they, they're, they are vastly, vastly different and also vastly, vastly the same. Um, so one of the things that I do in terms of a disruptor that's similar to the, you can be happy if you want to mantra is when I'm standing in front of the mirror, I have stopped evaluating myself. Now, evaluating yourself in front of the mirror is such a natural human tendency that you may or may not be aware that you're doing it. And when I say evaluating, I'm talking about assigning uh, positive or negative evaluations, valuations, comments, uh, future plans, to your appearance. So I'm talking about good hair day, bad hair day, thin day, fat day, uh, saggy skin, wrinkles. Oh my God, what am I going to do with my neck? I'm pushing the skin up on my face um, so that it looks like it looked when I was younger. Um, you know, men and women lose their hair, but men of course lose their hair at a higher frequency than women do. And so you know, if you're a guy and you're getting out the mirror and you're checking the bald spot and it's causing you some discomfort and some grief and you're thinking, what should I do? You know, probably nothing. It's a natural part of aging and putting energy there and thinking that somehow you're going to be more valuable if, if you don't have a bald spot or something like that. It's, it's, it's not true. It's true if you believe it, but it's ultimately not true. And so, you know, I hear terms like dad bod and menopause belly and just stuff like that, that if it, if it brings with it a judgment or an evaluation that makes you feel worse or less than, or affects just your overall joy and comfort in your skin, it's, it's not helping you. It's not helping you. It's siphoning away your creativity potentially for that day, your confidence to do something new, you you know, the way you feel going into an important meeting at work, the way you feel going into an important presentation, thinking about the way you look versus the content of your, of your presentation or practicing the presentation itself versus what am I going to wear and how am I going to do my hair and how do I look on the zoom, which I am going to get to the zoom. Um, that's not actually not going to be helpful. It's, it's a, it's an unnecessary distraction. So what do you do? You walk away. I literally walk away from the mirror. Um, and so by doing that, you completely disrupt what's going on in walking away. I do recommend you do something with your body and your mind that doesn't have anything to do with the way you look. And I do say body and mind, because if you walk away and do something active, like wash the dishes, sweep the floor, fold the laundry, something that you're doing, it's, it's going to be a better disruptor than if you just go sit on the sofa and, and continue to think about what you just saw in the mirror and how it needs to be changed. So that's why I recommend uh, something different with your mind and your body. And if you give that a try, just, just pay some attention to how often you're needing to do that. How often do you need to just turn on your heel and walk away from your reflection? It might be pretty often at first, but eventually 
you'll just, it'll only have to happen once in a while. And it's been incredibly freeing for me. I do want to give credit where credit is due. Um, I was having a conversation, I don't know, maybe 18 months ago or something with my mom and self-hate was going at me a little bit about my butt, about my butt, this, this era of big round high booties. Yeah. That's not, that's not me. That's not me. It's never going to be me. And I was affected by those images and, you know, the plastic surgery shows and the, the BBLs and all that stuff. And I was just lamenting that, um, you know, gravity has, is doing its work on my booty cheeks. And my mom said, Hmm, I don't look at my butt. (laughs) And so that was, you know, that was actually so helpful because I stopped looking. You don't have to look, you do not have to look, especially when it's not helpful. You just sit on your butt and it helps you walk and hold you up. And it has, it has a function. It has an important function, but it ultimately it's your butt. It doesn't matter. So anyway, thanks mom. And I stopped looking and oh boy, do I feel better. And so stopping looking there, I just stopped looking everywhere. Ultimately I look, you know, enough to wash my face and put some moisturizer on. And if I'm going to go out, I sometimes, you know, I do a little something, but I I don't, I don't care that much. So also this is kind of a form of a mirror. If you're on Zoom quite a bit or whatever platform, um, I'm not sure how you do it on the other platforms because I'm mostly on Zoom. But if you're on Zoom, just go to the corner of your Brady Bunch square and kind of hover over the three dots and there's a hide self view in there. So anytime that I'm on a Zoom now, even if it's just with one other person, I always hide the self view. And it does a couple of things for me. First of all, I don't need to be looking at my reflection while I'm trying to do something with someone else. Like if I'm on a zoom, I am either working with somebody else, like in a professional capacity, or I'm connecting with a friend or a family member. And the last thing I need is to see myself and be distracted by that. It it really takes me out of what I'm doing there. It takes my attention away from the other person or away from the content. Perhaps I'm I'm doing these interesting um, workshops in this new with this new coaching firm I'm working with, and you know I'm in groups of people. And I, I mean I don't know if it's this way for you, but if you leave your camera on, even if you, or your self view on, if you're looking at a group of people, how often does your eye go toward your image? For me, it's quite a bit. It's very distracting. And so I just, I just, it's, it's muscle memory now. It's habit. I just go, go up. I turn the self view off and it's just, I feel so relieved. Now I'll say about it that, you know, remember, remember you're on camera. We've, we've all heard the, we've all heard the really crazy stories about what people have done uh, during the pandemic when they forgot maybe that their video was on. <laughs> I'm just going to say like, you know, maybe don't pick your nose or if you're having a, a something to eat, maybe, you know, eat and eat, maybe you're not going to ferociously, you know, put that whatever in your mouth. And um, if I become, listen, I'm going to just be totally honest here. There are times when I'm in a group setting where, you know, I take things in pretty, pretty efficiently and I'm a pretty quick uh, processor. I'm an internal processor. So it kind of comes in and I zip, 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 I process it. And so when I say something or ask a question, typically I've listened to the 
you know, the other information that's been given and, and I'm asking a question that hasn't already been answered, or I, I understand what, what is appropriate for the venue we're in, but listen, judging other people based on the way that I function is it's, it doesn't work. It, it does not work. It just creates frustration. And it also distances you from people and it kind of shuts off what you might get from them while you're busy judging them. However, I do sometimes get a little bit frustrated. And so I, I remember that I'm on camera because if I do need to put my head down, which is usually what happens to me, I just, you know, remember if you're somewhere around my age, um, they used to just turn the lights off and have everybody, everybody put their heads down on their desk. And it was a way of getting everybody to be quiet and transitioning from one thing to the next, um, in grade school. And I always just really enjoyed it. It was just a very peaceful feeling for me. And so that's tends to be what happens is I just, I end up leaning forward and putting my head down. You don't want to do that on camera. That might hurt somebody's feelings. Who's talking and convey a certain judgment or something. And it really is just me managing my own thoughts and my own emotions. And so, yeah, so be careful um, because you are on camera, but turn it off. Ooh, boy, is it, it's wonderful. Um, kind of in the same vein. So this is another suggestion where the disruptor is to literally put your phone down and walk away. And that is what I'm going to call comparison scrolling. So first I'm going to suggest that you don't scroll. And I know that that's for many people, that's, that's not a possibility that scrolling through social media is something that they do every day. You might do that every day. You might do it multiple times a day. Um, it, it is tied to unhappiness. So there are there, again, there's some science behind that and it, it is tied to unhappiness and you might feel that you might feel yourself become drained. You might feel judgment come up in yourself for other people or for yourself. And when that comes up, usually there's comparison going on, right? So if you're scrolling, do pay attention to how you feel. How does your mind feel? How does your body feel? What are your emotions? Are you clicking on things? Are you ending up going down wormholes and buying things that you didn't really need? Are you um, using your fingers to make a photo larger so that you can examine somebody? If you're doing that, it could be that you are judging them in some way and that you are also in judging them, comparing yourself in some way. And you could be comparing yourself in a way that makes you feel better. You could be comparing yourself and say, oh man, that person is like, what's, what's happened to them? I'm glad I don't look like that. They're my same age. I'm glad I don't look like that. And that might feel like it's positive, but it's not, it's actually poisonous. You're poisoning yourself when you do that. And so just as I suggest with the evaluation that happens in front of the, of the mirror, put your phone down and get up and go do something else with your brain and your body. Don't just close the app and continue on your phone. Um, I think there really is something to teaching yourself that, ugh, this behavior actually makes me feel bad and getting up and doing something different that isn't about that behavior. And then noticing the change in your brain, in your body chemistry, 
And just as I suggested, when you walk away from the mirror, doing, doing something with your body generally changes your, uh, your thoughts and your feelings, um, versus sort of just sitting in them and trying to wrangle with the thoughts. Yes. There's lots of different thought management strategies. I use a ton of them and they're super helpful to me. And sometimes I find that getting up to, um, sweep the floor or put something away or, um, even going out and sitting in the sun on the balcony and maybe listening to some music or a podcast or turning on music and dancing, boy, that can really disrupt, um, kind of a bad mood. If you're having kind of a, a down mood that can, that can disrupt it. Um, particularly if it's not something you need to be feeling through, right. If it's an intense emotion and you have something going on, I'm not suggesting you run from those feelings, but these are more inner critic voice of doubt, self-hate. There's something wrong with you. That person looks better or worse than me, that kind of stuff. Um, just looking at our time. Yep. We have time to address this before we, before we take a mid show break, because I love this one. Okay. I love this one. It's about metrics and, um, You know, I was in operations management um, for a long time, really throughout my career. As a chemical dependency specialist, I ended up um, running both outpatient and inpatient treatment programs, which um, there's a a huge operational component. And then I opened a tattoo and body piercing studio and then a second location. And again, business operations, uh, in addition to the core of the work that, you know, that I did in both of those jobs. And then uh, when I, when I worked in sexual healthcare, I, I was, uh, I oversaw operations for the, um, healthcare part of the business. And that often is tied to metrics. And so I was somebody who lived and died by my metrics. And I, I found that I was doing something similar to myself in terms of the way I looked and my body particularly. And so the, the metrics I'm talking about, and you have, may have different ones in your life or more more than what I mentioned today, these are kind of the big three, um, weighing your body. So I'm not exactly sure why we weigh our bodies. I understand that there are sometimes health conditions that make it required or that make it important. But beyond that, if you're somebody who's, you know, not having any health problems and I, I guess I just don't necessarily understand why we do that. And then we carry that number around with us. If if you're anything like me, that number would stick like gum in my hair. And who needs that? So yes, there is an argument to be made for, I guess, I'm not going to make it, but I've heard it many times for weighing and then making peace with it somehow, um, getting the number and then going through the mental gymnastics of separating yourself from it and, you know, telling yourself a story about it or stopping the narratives around it or stopping the comparison to what you used to weigh or what you want to weigh or what that person that that person says they weigh or whatever. Honestly, I don't want it in there. I don't even want it in my mind. I don't care. I don't care. So I haven't weighed myself and mm, I stepped real quick on my mom's scale because I was going to try to use it to weigh a non a non human. <laughs> I was trying to, uh, I didn't have a luggage scale, and by the way, that doesn't work, so don't bother. But 
listen, I stepped on it with shoes, clothes, coat on the kitchen floor. We were trying to test it uh, to see if we thought the scale was accurate. I still remember that number. And listen, the number doesn't, doesn't mean anything, but that's how much that stuck in me. I have a mind for details, but also I spent all those years applying all kinds of metrics to myself. And in the recovery program I was in, my food recovery program, we weighed on the first. And so, you know, every month on the first, it was like, oh my God, what's it going to be? And, and, and then I would kind of, it would kind of stick to me all month. And so I don't want to have anything to do with it. So I don't weigh. And I'm going to suggest that there may not be a good reason for you to weigh. And when I go to the doctor, um, typically there isn't a good reason. They, they weigh you for a variety of reasons, but I just simply say, I don't weigh. And sometimes the medical assistant will pause, you know, longer and kind of think, oh, well, is this, uh, what am I going to do about this? Is this okay? I just stand there. I stand there. I don't say anything. I stand in silence. I've set my boundary. I've been clear. I'm the customer. Even in healthcare, you are the customer. So I'm the customer and um, I don't weigh. Um, secondly, this is a little bit old school and it's depicted in the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. They, they do that, uh, the, the women in that show do this calisthenics class where they're kind of doing the crab walk and, um, some things I remember from grade school. Um, and we see her measure her waist and her thighs and her arms and feel, um, a sense of, of success and that, that they have not expanded in any way. Um, so I would suggest not applying a tape measure to yourself unless you're going to go to the tailor and get something beautiful made and then leave that to the tailor because they're not measuring your, your body per se. They're measuring your body so that they can make you a beautiful garment. I think that's really the only place that a tape measure has in our lives. And um, lastly, before we go to the break, those little labels that are sewn into your waistbands and collars they don't really mean anything. Um, I was so, uh, I don't know what the word is. I don't know if obsessed is the right word or, or uh, fixated maybe is, is a better word that if, if I had a piece of clothing and the number on the tag, uh, was different from what I thought it should be. And in my case, it would be higher than what I thought it should be. I cut it out, but guess what? Anything that I had cut the, <laughs> the, um, the little piece of fabric out of that had the size on it. I still remembered what size it was. Cause that's how my brain works. And I cut it out cause I didn't want to look at it or I didn't want anybody to see it or something. And they don't really mean anything there. There's no standard, right? So first of all, there's no standard for a small or an eight or a 16 or a large or whatever, whatever the, the thing is, there's no standard. And also it has absolutely nothing to do with you, what is unique and wonderful and special about you. Like I would care far more about being funny. I I would care far more about interacting with somebody who's funny than I do what the label on the inside of their clothing says. My goodness, but boy, do we sometimes let that um get at us. So I've thrown away all those metrics. I just don't care. I don't pay any attention to them. And I, I don't let them attach themselves to my uh, value. And if, if I can avoid them altogether and just not take them in, then that's, that's what I do. 
Uh, so I have a few more suggestions to give you. We're going to take a quick break uh, and we'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Are you tired of overeating, overspending, drinking too much, or being in relationships that drain you? Do you have invasive thoughts that make you feel bad about yourself and your life? Do you keep pushing yourself to the next goal only to find that it doesn't bring you happiness? You don't have to live this way. You can live a life of well-deserved freedom and happiness. Coach Kirsten Johansson is here to guide you. Book your free discovery session today at giraffetangooctopus.com. You're listening to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans. Have your own story or have questions for Kirsten or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Freedom for Humans. And before the break, we were covering some practical strategies to separate your value and how you feel about yourself from the way you look. So we talked about what to do in front of the mirror. Uh, We talked about the Zoom. We talked about comparison scrolling and then about the metrics that many of us apply to our bodies and how generally unhelpful they are. If you're a bodybuilder or something like that, and you know, that's part of your profession, that's, that's different. And also um, one would need to have a pretty solid self-image and self-worth um, to know that, you know, everything is temporary. And even if you're, uh, the way you look is tied to a professional endeavor, the way you look is going to change. And so it's important to feel a sense of worth and worthiness and self-acceptance regardless Um, of whether you're needing to pay attention to some physical metrics or not. So the next one is about nudity. And I was married to a guy. Um, I got married young. I met him when I was 18 and he was 32. Uh, And I got married. Let's see. I think I must've been 22. Yeah. I think 1993, I was still 22 at that time, I think. And he was a nudist. And so he didn't like spend all of his time at home in the nude, like cooking in the nude and stuff that we sometimes see depicted as what nudists do, which some, maybe some of them do, but he didn't do that. He was more of a nude beach, nudist club kind of person. And so we definitely went to some nudist, nude beaches, uh, which was nice. And um, I enjoyed And eventually kind of later in the marriage, I was with him for 17 years and married to him for mm, probably maybe 13, 14 of that. Um, Eventually he wore me down. He wanted to join. It's called Fraternity Snoqualmie. I'm going to give it a shout out. It's in Washington state uh, in Issaquah and it's a family, it's a family oriented nudist club. And what, what the reason I mentioned that and no judgment, some, 
<laughs> some nudist clubs are for swingers. And so sometimes people see nudist club and they immediately think, ah, swingers. And sometimes that's true. So if that's not what you're looking for, if you want, kind of want to try being in a communal setting where there's nudity, but you're not interested in like a swinging environment, you just need to do a little bit of, do a little bit of homework about the, the place that you might be visiting. So in this case, it was mostly for summer and it had, it has beautiful green grass and a nice pool with lounges and a hot tub and a sauna. And, and it is true, at least in this case, it is true that, that the nudists like to play volleyball. Uh, so it has a volleyball court and it it really was um, in many ways, a wonderful experience for me. As much as I resisted it, I kept saying, I don't want to pay to be naked. I don't want to pay to be naked, but eventually uh, and you couldn't join there. If you're married, both people have to join because it really is a family place. They don't want somebody coming without their spouse and sort of trolling, if if that makes sense. So um, we needed to join as a married couple. And I really had some interesting experiences there over time, being around other people who were nude. I was nude, of course, and being around everyone else who was nude. I met them nude. Um, once in a while, I would see somebody put on their clothes, you know, maybe at poolside before they walked up to their car and it would, it would be kind of jarring in a way I would see them put on their clothes and I would think, oh, interesting. That's not, huh, that's not exactly what I imagined. And so it really brought into focus for me how many, um, perceptions we create based upon not just the way somebody looks, but how they dress. Um, do they look expensive? Are they stylish? What kind of jewelry do they have on? Do they wear makeup? Is their hair coiffed? Those are the things that we typically use to form an opinion about somebody. And, and really, unfortunately, I think, because it can keep us from connecting we might judge somebody as a certain thing and determine that they're maybe not for us, perhaps. But we haven't actually spoken to them or gotten to know them. And what I noticed about the years that I spent as a nudist was that I connected or didn't simply based upon somebody's energy and personality and way of communicating. And it didn't have anything to do with their image or even what they did. I mean, for the most part, I didn't know what anybody did for a living. We didn't really talk about that. It was, it was, I think, such a refuge for people to get away from, you know, the routine rigors of daily life. And so, you know, it taught me a lot about that, but also I saw so many different types of bodies so many different types of, of people, bodies, ages, shapes, sizes, abilities. And over time, I, I just, they all were fine. They were all fine. So one of the things I often would hear when I talked about, you know, have been longing to fraternity Snoqualmie or being a nudist, the, typically the reaction that I would get is, oh, I could never do that. I don't feel good enough about my, I don't look good enough to do that. I, I, I could never do that. And um, I did, I have had periods of my life, certainly where I didn't feel good enough about myself to maybe be in that environment or to go to a, 
a women's spa. I remember saying no to a women's spa uh, one time with a friend because I, I was so immersed in self-hate about my body that I just felt like I couldn't bear to be nude in that setting, even though I had quite a bit of history with being nude around other people. And so, you know, that is where that is an artifact of that, right? So feeling like, well, I don't look good enough um, to, to do this activity or go to this place is really a function of the inner critic and judging, judging yourself. And so we think we're afraid that other people are going to judge us, but when we're afraid that other people are going to judge us, if we stop and take a pause and ask ourselves, well, what's going on that I think other people are going to judge me. What I usually find is I'm judging myself. It really doesn't have anything to do with other people. I am going to talk right at the end about judgment by other people, because we can't really talk about the way we look and live in the society that we live in and not talk about being judged by other people. That would be very Pollyanna, which um, I'm typically not. But I would suggest to try some nudity. And so, you know, if you have a nude beach, if you have a nudist club that, you know, they usually will let you come and pay a day fee to try it out. Typically it's, you need to be nude. Um, they, it's not, it's not great if you come and you keep a little something on. We, we saw that we would see that and we would joke about it. Like typically it would be a, a woman who would keep her swimsuit bottoms on, let's say. And the joke was, gosh, she must have something really special going on there <laughs> because you will stick out if you have some form of clothing on. Whereas if you just shed the clothing, you blend. And when you shed the clothing, you shed a lot. You really do shed a lot of, of these kind of criticisms that I'm talking about and the sun and the breeze and the freedom that you feel by leaving your body open in that way um, is quite wonderful. Um, okay. So that's nudity. And it, and listen, if you don't, if you don't have access or that's just a, that is just a bridge way too far for you. Just try it at home. Just be nude by yourself, uh, for a while. If you have a partner who you're not typically nude in front of, maybe just try a little bit of nudity in front of your partner. I remember traveling with uh, my friend and, and at the, and we're, we're very close friends. We've been friends since we were 17. And at the time I was dealing with tons of hot flashes and uh, we were at a retreat where we shared a really small room and, and we'd been to a nudist um, desert shadows in Palm Springs. We had been to desert shadows together uh, when we took this long road trip across the U S and so, you know, it's not somebody who I hadn't been nude in front of, but you know, we're in this small room together. And I said, you know, I don't think I can sleep in anything because it's just too hot. And, and I don't like to sleep in anything anyway. I feel like, our bodies really need to be released from all of these materials, particularly all the synthetic materials that we we tend to put on our bodies. And so um, sleeping in the nude to me is just essential. Um, so you might try that um, if nudity is a challenge for you. But, you know, I was with my friend and I, I, I said, I don't think I can sleep in anything. I If I get up and go to the bathroom, I'm going to be naked. <laughs> Her response is, I don't care. And I said, great. And so maybe you take a trip with a friend and you just say, you know, I'm working on um, separating my, 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 my self-worth from the way I look. And I might be nude a little bit and maybe they'll say, 
great. I don't care. Or who knows what they'll say. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll inspire them um, to do a little something for themselves. Um, okay. So I'm going to move on from try a little nudity to gratitude. And ultimately our bodies, uh, including our faces. So again, bodies, faces, our bodies do so much for us. So for instance, I have a long history of cosmetic procedures, which I will, I am going to do a show on that. It's, it's pretty extensive. And, um, so I, I don't know why I'm saving it, but I guess I'm saving it for a different day. Um, and so I was trying to keep from aging. Um, I was trying to fix everything and laser it and peel it. And I had surgeries and lots of injections and, um, all sorts of things. And so, you know, I don't do any of that anymore. And my face is aging naturally and I can smile and move it all around and, and the way that it's meant to, to move all around, uh, which is honestly pretty great. And so if you're finding yourself, let's say you're in, let's say you're standing in front of the mirror and you haven't walked away yet, try a little gratitude. So if you're looking at your crow's feet or, or maybe you got a little jowl happening or a little loose skin on your neck or whatever, think about the reaction that you get when you smile at somebody you really smile. I could not smile at the height of my suffering. Uh, which would have been 2017, 2017, 2018, 2019. Um, I could not smile. I had enough Botox and filler in my face that when I tried to smile, it, it didn't all move in concert anymore. It wasn't symmetrical. It looked like a grimace. It looked like I was in pain and I knew it and I couldn't smile. You know, the Tyra Banks instruction about um, smiling with your eyes. I couldn't because my eyes didn't really move. They were kind of flattened on the sides from Botox. And so ultimately when I knew I was, you know, in front of a camera or whatever, I would just keep my, I I never smiled with my teeth. Like I couldn't actually smile big. And I, it's, it was such an ironic outward manifestation of how much I was suffering inside. And also just the, if you think about it, you're, you know, I was doing those things to try to be happy and and the things I was doing kept me from being able to even smile. And so think about the way that you feel when somebody genuinely smiles at you, you can hardly help, but giving them a big smile back. It just happened to me at the grocery store a couple of days ago. Um, it was the produce guy and I don't know why, but he smiled at me and I, my whole body, I smiled back at him and my whole body chemistry um, changed. So if you're going at your face, you know, think, Oh, but, but I can bring such joy to myself and to others by smiling. If you're going at yourself over the size of your body, which is, I know it's so common and usually it depends, but usually people are thinking that their body is too big in some way. I don't know. I mean, I love a snuggly hug. And if, if you are going at yourself about your body being too big, and I hope that you have somebody to hug. Um, but think about what a snuggly hugger you are. 
things like that. When I was, you know, in a lot of emotional pain um, during the pandemic, I did these long, hilly five mile walks around Capitol Hill in Seattle. And I, I, you know, I was working through some stuff. So often my mind was, uh, was having a go at me uh, while I was grieving and healing and letting go of um, self-hate and, and ushering in self-love and then practicing self-love. And often I would thank my body for being able to do those walks. So if you're, you know, if you have the ability to exercise, if you have the ability to do the types of exercise that you enjoy, instead of thinking about how that exercise is impacting the way you look or how many calories you're burning or whether or not you're firming up some particular part of your body, you might try just exercising some gratitude for its ability um, to do that um, and to bring all of the wonderful things with it that come when we move our bodies. And I'm not going to go much into exercise today. I think that's for a different day. What I do want to say just as an aside is I heard for many, many years, um, just do what you like. If you do what you like, then you won't feel like you're forcing yourself. You won't, you know, exercise for a while and then stop and then exercise for a while and stop. I heard that. (laughs) I heard the wisdom of that, but I continued to try to force myself to do things that I didn't like because I was trying to achieve some particular type of body, or I was trying to change my body, or I was trying to affect my weight. And I didn't like what I was doing. I kind of hated it. And in the last, mm, gosh, I'm going to say since about 2012. So maybe, yeah, maybe a decade or so. I've only done what I like. Um, which is mostly yoga. I like to do yoga and I like a particular type of yoga. And I, I like a particular instructor that I stream and I like a particular set of practices that I've been doing a long time. Um, and that's what I like. So I do that. I do like a, some light strength training, which I do off and on. And again, I like this particular instructor and I stream it so I can do it um, in solitude, which I is right for me. Um, some people really need a class and like, like the, uh, the sociability of a class, I much prefer to exercise by myself and I can do it whenever, wherever, without a lot of special equipment, regardless of weather and stuff like that. And I like walking. So those are the three things that I typically do. I I do yoga, I walk and, um, often on, I do some, uh, strength training. So just a note there that if you're trying to cross the abyss, between uh, not exercising and exercising, just try doing something that you enjoy for as long as you want to do it. And then go ahead and feel good about that. And then move on to something else. And then maybe the next day, just try it again. And don't put a ton of pressure on yourself and try not to attach it with looking a certain way, truly. Um, Attach it to how it makes you feel. How does it make your body feel and your brain feel? And um, how's your stress level? And Did you sleep better? All the things that we know come with regular exercise. Um, Okay. So I got two more, two more little tips. If you are trying to get your hands around separating your, the way you look, your appearance from the way in which you value yourself, and you even want to kind of do a little investigating and see, well, 
what is really going on here with me? You might look at your spending. And so again, I've talked a lot about Meta DeVore's equation of spending and earning, and she was on the show um, that's on worthiness. And we talk about it there. So look at your spending in, in multiple ways as it pertains to the way that you look, because you could be spending a lot of money. I spent, I don't even know. I don't know. I think if I actually sat down and tried to add it up, I would guess it's, it's somewhere around a hundred thousand dollars. And that doesn't count like just regular, like makeup and stuff like that. That would, that would be things that are specific interventions um, for aging and the way that I looked at are beyond buying some face cream and, and, um, you know, some moisturizer and, and a little bit of makeup. So I probably have spent six figures on that. So I know, I know where my spending was going, but in addition to the money, if you think about the amount of planning and thought, and then the actual getting of the procedures and the recovering from the procedures and the hiding out while I was recovering, if there was downtime and I didn't want people to see me, oh my goodness, so much spending of both physical and mental energy went into the way that I looked. And I really, at the time, I just thought it was so important and that somehow if I looked a certain way and I looked good enough that there was, I was going to reach this pinnacle where I could relax and say, oh, okay, Whew, I made it. But guess what? We are the epitome of temporary. Our bodies are the epitome of temporary. We are always aging. We are always changing and thinking that we're going to make ourselves look a certain way and check the box. And then that's going to be it. it. It it doesn't work that way. And so you might look at how much you're um, spending from your actual bank account, but then also in the same way that you know, I looked at how much am I spending thinking about this relationship that I'm that I'm exiting, even when I'm not interacting with the person. I was like, ugh, I don't want to be spending this. I want to spend this on myself. I want to spend this on things that move me forward, that make me feel good, that make me feel like I'm contributing something that's valuable, that helped me to live my purpose or that bring me peace or joy. And focusing on that was not bringing me any of those things. So um, maybe take a, just take a peek at your spending, um, in all, in all ways, energy, emotional and mental energy, as well as actual money. Okay. Lastly, um, we got to talk about the force field because once you separate yourself from thinking that the way you look is somehow defines your value, you're going to hear it and see it everywhere. And other people aren't going to be that stoked that you don't care anymore. And so you're going to want to develop a bit of a force field of some kind because you'll need it for the commercials, the stuff on social media, the images, the comments from other people. You might have people in your family that comment on the way you look or friends that comment on the way you look or that comment on the way they look, all that stuff. Um, it, it all has an impact. And so in terms of your force field, once you have basically let go of the belief that any of this matters. That is, that is super important, but it takes a while to get there. I found it takes practice um, of the kind that I'm suggesting today. Practice the practicing these things behaviorally will help you to change your mindset. And so you might just come up with a mantra um, that it helps you with your force field. It could be 
Um, this doesn't matter. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm, I'm completely fine as I am. Um, all of this is BS. I don't believe this anymore. It could be anything that rings true for you that helps you to tell yourself the truth. Not so much about the way you look, right? Cause we want to neutralize that. We want to just say, you know what? I look how I look and I'm okay. And I have something else to contribute and just move on. Um, but that stuff is going to get in there and it's going to be challenging when you're trying to change that. And so one of the things that I would say to myself when I was doing the work and I was alone most of the time, I mean, and I use this when, whether it was about the way I looked or about some thoughts that I was having that weren't very helpful. I would just say out loud, who gives a shit? And then I would answer my own question. Nobody. That's who I'll tell you what that is the truth. Because as much as you're thinking about yourself, that's how much everybody else is thinking about themselves. So nobody cares truly. So, you know, think about your force field and then um, have it at the ready. When those things come on TV or somebody says something or somebody wants to talk about, um, you know, appearance sort of being the be all end all. All right. That's all we have uh, time for today. Um, I love making this show for you. I hope you heard something helpful. You can find me at giraffetangleoctopus.com. You can send me a message on social media and um, I will be back with you next week. Love yourself, free yourself, be yourself and dance your own tango. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope we have helped you learn to love yourself unconditionally and accept and celebrate everything that makes you, you. Tune in next Wednesday for another episode. And in the meantime, dance your own tango.